buy a stock or a bond? What does that mean? How do I know? Stay with us and find out. And now, Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. And you also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Welcome, it is Money Matters USA. That's the name of this podcast that is devoted to discussing, looking at, dissecting, uh, and talking about the good strategies for retirement with Fred Sade. Fred Sade, PhD in economics from Duke University, the founder and managing director of the firm Money Matters USA. So this podcast is about retirement. Fred is about retirement. How are you today, Fred? I'm great. How are you, Dave? Good, good. We're back at it again. We really get into some, some some good topics here every week on this show. And we'd mentioned we're looking at, of course, uh, planning for your retirement, investing, and avoiding certain risks. So I love what you ask. Am I stock or bond? And I, I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> I, I'm guessing you're using those terms metaphorically, describing what kind of person whoever may be listening now, what kind of person are you and how you plan towards your retirement? So you're going to break it down for us in the podcast today. A good starting point may be if you would define human capital for us. Okay. Human capital, it sounds very, very simple to define. So this is the simplest definition that I, that I use. Human capital is the present value of the capital that a person earns over their working lifetime. So it's an asset. And like any uh, asset, it can be converted into income. So part of that income is going to be used to support a person's lifestyle and the remainder of that in, uh, of that income is going to be used for savings, and these savings ultimately become financial capital. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we deplete human capital over our working lifetime. In other words, we we have less as we get older because we've earned income along the way during our career. So when we start out, most of that human capital is in the future. But as we get closer to retirement, we have earned most of that human capital. So the amount of remaining human capital gets dramatically reduced. And when we retire, we no longer have any money from employment. So at that point, for better or for worse, we have to rely on our financial capital to pay for our lifestyle, and that has to cover us for the rest of our lives. Would that be the consumption capital, that the financial capital has to back up the consumption capital? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That, yeah, that's what, what, we, it's what we are. Uh, we, 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 we become consumers uh, at, at, that, at that point because we, we have no new uh, 
supply of capital uh, coming in. That, that, that's, that is it. Uh, and, uh, you know, as, as, as Tom Hagner uh, likes, to, likes to point out, um, that, that whole issue of capital gets involved with longevity. And the only point that I want to make about longevity is, is, is Tom's point uh, that the longevity puts enormous pressure, like, like the pressure on coal that creates a diamond. It's that kind of pressure that we, we put on whatever our financial capital is because it's going to pay for our lifestyle. And the whole issue then is to make sure, as you know, that we don't run out of capital, however long our lives may may possibly be. Now, I, I, I gave you a definition of human capital, mm-hmm. the, but the issue is, is that definition accurate? Because I raise this because once you change capital into consumption and into financial capital, you have to face the fact that this can be volatile uh, over time. And as you pointed out, I'm using are you a stock or a bond as a, as a metaphor, and it depends on what kind of job do you have. And, and this makes modeling extremely difficult because it really depends um, what kind of job do you have? Will you lose your skills over time? Will you get promoted? Will you lose your job? Do you have to take a lesser job? Do you have to take time off to care for a family member? Or, or are you, did you take uh, maternity leave? What, what, what is it that, that happened? And you just can't build that you know, into a model. There are just way too many uh, variables. So some people can have very volatile career paths. Some people don't. And you just don't know how to build a model that says this is your economic value, and we can then predict from that model into the future because there are just there are just too many uh, variables. So when when I, you when you say uh, how volatile your career is, are you looking at someone? Are you comparing, say, someone with a government job with a government pension versus yeah. someone in the private sector, and a lot falls yeah. on them? Yeah, ab- okay. absolutely. I, you know, I, if I take as a as a working hypothesis, and I have many clients who who work for state government here in New in New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, state government or, or government. Period. I shouldn't say state government, whether it's state, local, county, federal, municipalities. In the aggregate, if you add them all together, they are the largest employer in the state of New Jersey. Oh, gotcha. Any state related. I see what you're saying. Of, yeah. of, of people are employed by by government. So there still are a lot be, of pensions out there. That's exactly right, which is why New Jersey pension systems under such humongous. Uh, pressure, whether whether you're a judge sitting in, in a court, whether you are a teacher, you know, whether whether you are a, a state senator, everybody is in the New Jersey uh, pension uh, system. So, 
in because I, many many of my clients do work for for government in some capacity, and are in the New Jersey pension system. My experience with a lot of them is that a lot of a lot of them have taken government jobs uh, just so they have stable employment and stable almost retirement. <laughs> yeah, almost impossible to get fired. They, right. you know, they get periodic. Uh, you know, uh, colas. Sometimes they'll, they'll get bonuses, uh, but you know they continue working until they retire, and they don't get pushed out. If they want to work to sixty six, it's sixty five, seventy. It's it's fine. At seventy, they're usually uh, asked to go, to retire, but they don't have to. Uh, and the other thing is, well, of course, you know, health may deteriorate. And they may have to leave, but that's a very, very stable uh, environment. So I'm comparing these people to a bond. Okay, I thought that's where you were going. So they're a bond. Let me ask you just a side note on that. Since you do retirement, they're are they they're easier when they come to you, the ones with the pension. I mean, it's a little easier job for you because they played yes. it safe. I mean, they chose that yes. route. Yes, uh, they they they. Um, their inclination is is to look toward toward safety. They're 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 less inclined to take risk, and um, so they they are usually looking uh, and, and temperamentally they they tend to be risk adverse, uh, and which is part of the reason that they took a secure uh, job. Uh, and, you know, many of them have the skill sets. Uh, say and say civil engineer. I mean, they could uh, they could work in in the private sector. Sure, but they don't want to. Right, they, they don't want to put up with corporate with the the corporate world and and the chances that they could lose their job, chances that they lose out on the you know promotion track. Maybe the company would be requ- uh, acquired, and you know when the music stops playing, there's no chair for them. <laughs> so they 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 choose the the safe. The safe career uh, path, and um, I, I look at the other kind of person who is the stock, the, the person who is you know the the entrepreneur, the self-employed, the person who chooses the uh, corporate uh, path, the person who who is striving to get ahead, is taking and taking risk. And this this person, my experience again, is that this person is a big risk taker in their job life, career life, and they carry that over. It's part of their personality uh, into their investment life. So I consider them to be a stock. Now, I didn't make up these terms. I, I want to give credit concept was invested by Zv Bodhi, and it was published in a book by uh, Moshe Malevsky, and, and Malevsky titled the book, Are You a Stock or a Bond? So I want to give him credit. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that both uh, Bodhi and Malevsky are PhD tenured professors. They're not a couple of guys hanging around the Las Vegas uh, legal book trying to figure out the morning line. <laughs> Somehow when you deal. mention their names, I just kind of figured that out, that they weren't doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what, what, um, what Bodie and, and Molesky 
uh, through their research, it, it, the central idea is that if we're looking at human capital, then the career experience is going to be different. For some people, it's going to be volatile. It's going to be filled with risk. And they're taking high risk for a high return. For other people, it's not going to be uh, risky. It's going to be stable. You don't have to worry about being fired. I mean, it takes a lot to get fired at the post office. It gets a lot to be fired, you know, from the state of New Jersey. You can't get fired from the federal government. I don't know what you have to do to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Something pretty government. bad, I would imagine. It's got, yeah, I think it's worse than bad. I don't think anybody. <laughs> I, I, I was talking to a, uh, a client of mine who does work for the federal government as <clears throat> a supervisor in, uh, in a federal agency. I won't say the name of the agency. And, and I asked him that question in preparation for this conversation. And he laughed. He said, you know what we do is we, we, go, we go to another agency and we say, who, who's your worst employee? And they'll tell us, and we'll say, okay, so we'll do a swap. Oh. We'll swap our <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And, and that's what they do. So they just and kind of move somebody bad employee? around yeah, that, to another area, and they keep yeah. trading them off. I, that's, 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 wow. you know, it, it's, it's, it's hilariously, it's, you know, when you're sitting on the outside, it's hilariously uh, funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, the reverse of, of, of uh, professional sports where they're trading players. And, <laughs> they're you know, trading sometimes, down. Sometimes, well, you know, sometimes in order to get the player you want, you got to take somebody else's headache. <laughs> <laughs> right. So maybe it is a lot like that. Uh, I, I, that's amazing. I, I guess. I, you know those so personality I, I tests him, they you know, give? I, just, uh, I, asked, I asked him, does anybody ever get fired? He said, are you kidding? It's the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit harder on the state level. Level, but maybe yeah. not a, a lot harder. You know, this personality test you give people, because whoever we're describing here, there's nothing wrong with any of the de decisions you made, but it just reminds me of those kind of personality tests and all, all these tests people have to take in, when, in the hiring process. I mean, I've had to administer a lot of those or at least refer yeah. potential candidates for a job to these type tests. And to the best of their ability, they determine your personality type. I'm going to take a break here. I want to look at, a, I have an opening question related to are you a stock or a bond? And then okay. look at maybe more of the risk to avoid and the proper strategies for those who are identified as a stock as they head towards retirement. And that is coming up quickly. Just a very quick break on the podcast. I do want to mention, if you want to get in touch with Fred, and have someone who is a fiduciary with a Ph.D. in economics, many years experience, many years under his belt helping usher people to retirement. You want to set up a consultation with Fred? It's this easy with a phone call, 800-593-8188. Again, 800-593-8188. And more of Money Matters USA straight ahead. ever feel like you are fighting for financial knowledge you can get a copy of our hot off the press 401k survival guide or take advantage of a complimentary consultation valued at over 999 dollars contact fred sade at money matters usa 800-593-8188 800-593-8188 
We're back with Money Matters USA, the podcast dedicated to strategies uh, heading to retirement through your life, really your financial life. You're always kind of ultimately working towards that and the right strategies to have, but especially when you get closer to retirement. And Fred Said, who is the founder and managing director of the firm of the same name, Money Matters USA, he looks at this from so many different angles. He takes so much into account, which he can do for you uh, as a client. But he's looking at uh, today, we're looking at, are you a stock or a bond? And I know we talked about saying that someone who chose a, a, a more secure career path, such as a government position, they would be identified as uh, a bond. And right. more of the risk takers, uh, private sector, would be identified as a stock. And when you were talking about the stock, you were talking about maybe the entrepreneur, the the self-employed. But here's a question I have based on this question. Are you a stock or a bond? Um, Where does the person, not the entrepreneur, but not the government employee, working their entire life in the private sector, maybe sometimes they had a, a 401k or some type plan, uh, and but it's kind of they're on their own. They don't have that guaranteed pension. Um, where do they fall in that? Are they somewhere in a blend of the two, being a stock or a bond? Yeah, they they could be, but gen- generally, um, uh, Molesky and, and Bodie uh, see see only two choices. They don't they don't see. A, a, a blend uh, of the of the two, and the, per, the person could, the person is in the private sector. Then they characterize that person as a risk taker. Okay. Uh, now it, it um, because they have a four hundred one k. In most cases, uh, they because of the offerings, I should say, in most four hundred one ks, they're probably going to be uh, in a target date fund. Now, I, I know that you could be in a balanced fund, but most people select the target date fund. It, it seems to be the default option for, you know, for most people. And, that, and that's, you know, really based on, on, on the venerable 60-40 uh, portfolio. So they really, uh, Malevsky and, and, and Brody don't really um, have, have, ver- have very fine uh, uh, gradations, because the, the way they view it, if you're not a risk taker, then you would be working uh, in a low turnover uh, job. Okay, so even the employee, it's not their business, but they're in the private sector, and correct. And sometimes they may not even have, you know, a plan, you know, a contribution plan or something. That and then they're then they're well, on their they own. They're not. You're uh, right. They so may, they, they are risk not. takers uh, then. Yeah, they may okay. not. I mean, they, they may, it may just be an individual uh, IRA. Right, uh, exactly. And, yeah, oh, right, so they're I a stock. Should, I should, yeah, I should add that, you know, they could do self-managed IRA, but the, the current uh, chair of the SEC uh, apparently is, is giving a lot of attention to self-managed uh, IRAs, and uh, apparently they're going to be looking at those uh, very carefully. Uh, hard to say. I mean, we're only nine months into the uh, Biden administration, but we, we certainly have indications of uh, what what they're uh, looking at from a regulatory perspective, and, and that self-managed IRAs is, is one of them. 
Well, okay, so, and, and we're going to get to, uh, and, and if you're identifying, and, and of course we're identifying people as either you're yeah. either a stock or a bond, so we're going to get to stocks, because I think that we've kind of covered that that's where more strategies come into play, but not to say that someone who's a bond, even if they're retiring with a pension, don't they need some strategies? For instance, here's a question I have, and it's a lay question. If they have a pension, can't they do something with it so it would make it more of a legacy tool? Yes, I can. Uh, and we normally ask people uh, if they if they have a lump sum option, and, and then we will uh, evaluate whether the annuity option, and if they're married, most people take joint and survivor at 50%, and we, we will then calculate that uh, as against a single premium uh, immediate annuity and see uh, which of them turns out uh, the best uh, because the payout rates on single premium immediate annuities are very high. And what most people, what lay people don't understand is that it's not the interest rate that counts, it's the payout rate. It, it's the rate at which you're going to receive income. That, that is the withdrawal or the payout rate. And that number uh, frequently is over 10%. At, at the low end, it's going to be over 6%. So if you're retiring somewhere between 65, 66, and 70, the payout rates are very, very uh, high. So the, it, it oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, the single premium immediate annuity uh, makes, makes more sense. And if the person is insurable, now uh, we can just buy a life insurance policy uh, for the for the for the premium difference that that they would have given up for the income difference uh, becomes a premium for the life insurance policy. The income that they would have lost for the for the uh, uh, joint and survivor at fifty percent, whereas now they're, they're receiving a, a life only annuity at a much higher payout level, and the life insurance would. would uh, be based on a present value of what that stream would be. We would discount it, and we get to a face amount of life insurance, and that would provide the difference when that person dies. So does that always work? No. But, it, but more often than not, it's a, better, it's a better deal. Now, sometimes you can't get a lump sum option out, and you're stuck. All right. Well, so Does it go that, with you in that case? Or does, in other words, does it die when you die? Well, it depends. Uh, if, if, if it's joint survivor at 50%, no, your survivor would get to 50%. Okay. I mean, if, if, we, can, if we can get uh, a 100% option and then use life insurance to make up for that shortfall difference, mm -hmm. that will provide more money than joint and survivor at 50%, which is the default option. So in other words, if, if you're married... Uh, your your spouse has to sign off and agree to some other option, uh, but if if not, the default is that joint survivor at fifty percent, and most people are going to be taking a haircut. The danger that I have seen is that once that lump sum comes out, all of a sudden, they, all of a sudden, uh, then the spending, the deferred spending needs suddenly become. Uh, 
you know, present. And, and then the spending starts to expand. And pretty soon that lump sum of cash out starts to get whittled down. I mean, we got to redo the house. We got to redo the bedrooms, we, the bathrooms, the put a new roof on, we need new drapes, new blinds, uh, so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, that six, seven hundred thousand dollars is now down to two, three hundred, four hundred thousand. And all of a sudden, now, uh, what are we doing for income? Well, we've been, you know, doing that and we've been living off lump sum withdrawals. Lump sum withdrawals are extremely difficult uh, to manage. They're the most difficult uh, to manage. And um, uh, if, if we even if we don't use a complicated system like Harold Evansky's system and we use a simpler system, it still, it still requires hands-on management to make sure that the person does not uh, run out of money and, and get into you know, a spending cycle. So that, that, is, the, that is the real danger, the, the lack of spending discipline. And, and, that's, and then coming back to what Tom Hegner is saying, that force multiplier of, of longevity, most people live longer than they think they're going to live. I, I, I admit the final act uh, can occur anytime, but, uh, but still, if, if, it's, if it's pretty much on schedule, then you know, running out of, if you've got a 30-year uh, retirement lifespan and, and you run out of money out of seven years, you're in deep trouble. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, big time. Well, I mean, so, I mean, there, well, are, there are strategies necessary no matter whether you're a stock or a bond, in other words. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. But, it, what, but what, I, what I see is that people who are uh, risk takers, that is, they, they're career risk takers, they, they have high risk tolerance, they take on a lot of portfolio risk, and people with low-risk careers they tend to be more conservative. So it sure uh, makes sense. Yeah. The, the, yeah. But here's, here is the issue that, that people forget to diversify correctly uh, because they, they don't look at their balance sheet in a holistic way, the way I am describing it. So if we look at it slightly differently, uh, if you're in a stock-like career, uh, you're going to have a lot of uncertainty about when your career is going to end. So it may be sooner than you think, and you're facing retirement, and you could be involuntarily retired, and you don't have the financial capital, the wherewithal, because you thought you had a lot more time. And on the other hand, if, so does if, that necessitate higher risk anyway than what the government? Absolutely, would, or, yeah. But people don't think of it that that way. I mean, you know, we're we're all hardwired, you know, to think to think about uh, that the future is going to be more successful. Everything will work out in in the future, but that's not necessarily the case. The future may look no different than the present. Uh, than the present, we come back to what Einstein said: do the same thing, you get the same result. Right. And, and people who are who are bound and determined to be on on this high risk uh, uh, career path are, are going to find that from time to time they're going to be involuntarily lay, laid off, and they're going to have to look for a new job. Now it could be because they lost out uh, on on a resizing, they lost out because of an acquisition, they lost out because their skills eroded, and, and they they need to refresh their skills. Well, it sounds like it could be a whole whole lot of yeah. uh, of of reasons. The uh, 
bond-like job person, if we can use that term, a uh, person may have chose that because they want the retirement benefits. And, and you know, they, they get the pension, they get job security. They know when they're going to retire. That's, that is exactly yeah. right. So if they don't retire at 65, so it'll be at 66. I mean, that's, um, I, mean I, I was watching the uh, ESPN game of the week. And uh, I was doing a little quick math in the home plate empire, umpire, um, 69, and he's, he's retiring at the end of, you know, of this season. I don't know that there's a mandatory retirement age for, for umpires in professional baseball, but uh, I guess there reaches a point where the travel gets to you and mm-hmm. bending over to dust off home plate and getting nicked by those foul balls. <laughs> well, you know you know what's telling to, to me on on what you just said is that you can't even watch a baseball game and not tie it into retirement. I mean, you you no, think retirement. All the time. All the time. I do. Um I mean, the, the, the conclusion that I want people to walk away with is that human capital is the, essential, is the essential asset. Human capital is the essential asset if you're still working. Uh, if you're a younger person in an early stage of your career, human capital could be from 50 to 95% or greater of your net worth because you haven't earned enough at this point to have very much financial capital. So to be practical, what, what, what's the takeaway? How, how, does, how do our listeners use this information? So I'm going to give you three suggestions. Number one, am I going to invest in my own human capital? Am I going to invest in my education? Am I going to invest in my training, certifications, and so on? And this is a question because you're not going to get an immediate return. It's a long-range return, and the potential is greater income and greater wealth. But you have to be willing to make that commitment. So that's number one question that you have to answer. Will I do that? Two, if I do that, how do I best convert human capital to financial capital? That's the second question. The third question, how much risk should I take with my financial capital? And that really depends on the risks I'm taking with my job or my career path, my human capital. So in other words, there should be an alignment between your, your career path, who you're working for, and what you're doing with your portfolio. And that, and what we see is is a misalignment, and yet what I'm suggesting are really the key decisions uh, that clients need to make. So when I'm working with clients, I I try to uh, talk to them about human capital. I try to get human capital on the on their balance sheet, so they can see that it has a value, and see that uh, that it needs to be managed, and to see what kind of diversification. Is, is needed not only for the human capital, but relate that back to the choices that they make uh, for investments, for building financial capital and, and for their own retirement. Well, and um, in conclusion, too, so basically you're looking at I, I know you deal with stock people and bond people. And especially when they're in the financial red zone, five, 10 years away from retirement, getting those last efforts in, 
obviously you have to n- maybe sometimes nudge the bond people to towards risk a little more and yes. maybe pull back and rein in the stock people because <laughs> they're not 30 yes. anymore. So maybe yeah. Yeah. we, yeah, we, it's always a battle with them uh, on the amount of replacement income that they're going to have that, that is guaranteed and is certain because they, they really want to roll roll the dice. And even if we um, use a glide path strategy, uh, which a lot of them resist, and the glide path, is, as you know, you, as you age, you, can, you go from equities increasingly to, uh, you know, bonds and treasuries uh, and cash to, to, to stabilize the, the amount of income and reduce the amount of risk in the portfolio. And a lot of times these folks don't want to use a glide path strategy. They want to be equities all the way. I have clients that, that are, you know, 100% equity in their portfolios, but some of them uh, will agree and have agreed uh, that they need to have uh, substantial replacement income that, that's guaranteed or certain, a combination of guaranteed and certain, so that they can then take more risk. And, and that's the prudent way uh, to handle it, to, to uh, have certainty on your income side, and then you can take more risk. If you lack certainty, then we have what we talked about in our previous podcast, the danger of uh, being exposed uh, to the to sequence of risk return. Okay. I mean, and that's actually, you know, we talk a lot about risk on this podcast. And so stay tuned because there's more uh, looking at retirement uh, not only in retirement, we're working your way to retirement strategies that Brad will take an in-depth look at on this podcast every week. Brad enjoyed it, and we'll just wait and see what we're talking about next week. I do want to mention, though, again, 800-593-8188. Let's say someone's listening in New Jersey or they're in um, Utah. Can you help them out either way? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, we're, we're licensed in uh and approved in uh, in many many states, so uh, we can we can we can help you no matter no matter where you are. Okay, so here's the number eight hundred five nine three eighty one eighty eight eight hundred five nine three eighty one eighty eight. Thanks for being with us on the podcast Money Matters USA with Fred Sate. We encourage you to stay with us and rate, like, uh, subscribe to this podcast. And we're at it again every week on the podcast, Money Matters USA. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell in any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.